if you want, we can do a quick update on where I'm at with the uh, roadmap project. Please, let's do it. All right. So uh, for those of you who are who have provided data, thank you very much for that. That uh, I'm still getting data coming in, coming in and adding that to a spreadsheet that I'm going to post. You'll be able to see it on uh, YouTube if you want to take a look at what the spreadsheet's looking like, the metrics that I'm focused on. I can actually... So what the idea... I would would love to hear this, yeah. What the idea is here, because we have Obsidian, we have healthcare professionals who are coming in usually right after treatment. So they're they're fresh in the, the system. They're fresh in the machine. And I have ones going out the other end too and finishing up. So throughout that process, there's a lot of things that take place. And I have been collecting data over the years and now I'm starting to aggregate it. And the idea is to get something that can make a prediction with, you know, it's it's not going to be 100% accurate, but for example, say you want to know, you just disclosed or asked for help about a problem you're having with a substance here. A typical one is hydromorphone. You're a nurse and you, you just brought it up with your manager and you, you, you you have a, a bunch of questions, but one of them is, okay, so this process has started. They're telling me all these different things are going to have to take place. How long will it take before I am going to be able to work again? So I would be able to look and see, okay, well, this, a nurse in this health authority, the individual is seeing this addiction specialist um, and the average time from the disclosure of the problem to back to work is 190 days. So as more and more data comes in, your averages get kind of tighter. And then you should be able to, uh, we should be able to make, at least give some people a little bit of information at the beginning where they're really looking for information. Yeah. And it also, I think, gives us an opportunity to look for, once we start parsing this out per, say, physician or per monitoring company, I can already see patterns and, you know, some patterns are good, some are not good. So it kind of, uh, it's a way of helping us detect things that are especially perilous with the machine. <laughs> Let's put it that way. So like, for example, Please. We're, we're collecting a timeline event. So disclosure, um, when the independent medical evaluation takes place, when treatment starts, when it's finished, if there's a follow-up evaluation, when does that take place? When does monitoring start as in uh, random urine drug screens? Uh, How long is the contract for that? Uh, They can vary from two all the way up to seven. I've seen one that's infinite. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Sometimes there's investigations. Uh, When does the investigation start? By whom? Uh, And when does the investigation end? return to practice agreements, consent agreements, uh, back to work agreements, and ultimately when you're finished the uh, whatever contract you're put in. So those are the the general markers that we're going to be watching for chronologically. Yeah. And then there'll be other details uh, like uh, we want to look at drugs. What drug did the healthcare worker use that got them in trouble? We know there's a big problem with hydromorphone and nurses. There's probably other issues that could be examined from an accessibility point of view. You look at it, how many of these individuals I've got, uh, 
some nurses on here that, well, a few actually, who had no interest in those type of drugs, they were having problems at home and asked for help because they felt they were drinking too much and the machine still got them. Yeah. So there's, you know, there's going to be things that I think we can get a better look at and perhaps maybe predict a little better disclosure, the way that the, the healthcare worker discloses the problem. Did they ask for help? Were they caught diverting medications? What does that look like down the road for them? Does that translate into different treatment? License status is one thing we're going to keep an eye on. Uh, the IME doctor, of course, the monitoring company I mentioned, the contract length, and one, uh, it's very complex and I'm not there yet, but return to practice agreement terms. So I want to, I want to see specifically one that I'm interested in is the difference between healthcare workers who hire a lawyer and their mm -hmm. terms versus somebody who does not, because I, I already know that it's fairly significant, but if you were somebody who were, who was asking like from a consultant point of view, like, what should I do here? You could say, well, you know, if you're paying for everything yourself and this is what you're looking at, you might want to consider a lawyer or no, it's not probably necessary in your case because of the precedent that we're seeing here. Again, we're not going to be able to predict the future, but it's better than not having the, any information at all. Were there, so were, were there lags? Like I'm, I'm looking at some of your data here, Nathan, were there particular lags in particular regions that really stood out to you? Once you started looking at everything side by side? Not yet. I don't have enough, like the chronological stuff is, it's, it's a lot of work. And I, I do have, I, I've got enough subjects to come up with, I think, decent, at least across the board statistics, but I don't, uh, I don't have them all compiled yet. So I'm still waiting for uh, more information. So I don't, I wouldn't say that I can see that other than like, uh, I, I mean, the other one of the metrics I'm tracking is uh, if it's an individual's first or second attempt at this. Right. Mm -hmm. And how is that different? Well, it's different. <laughs> you can see that yeah. the people who are on their second attempt are they're going to wait a lot longer in between stages. They you know, sometimes they get uh, stuck in a stage where they're, they've been cleared or deemed fit to work by an IME doctor but an RPA is never signed. They just kind of are left in the void. It's really weird, but I want to keep a closer eye on that so we can track it and, and start asking questions. I, I think you must be the first person to be doing this. I, and again, in, in all of our conversations with our, with people in our community, usually it's sort of a, a shot in the dark that they're given, or it's like this, uh, this technique of stringing up people along to say, well, you just got to wait for this, or you just got to wait for this. Or like we've said so many times on this episode, on this uh, show that they say, we'll get you back to work right away. And then it's, <laughs> it's not. Um, yeah. So there's, no, there's nothing that's even attempted to be as concrete or as uh, to pull out some actual data there. So yeah, kudos to you. Cause I, I, I don't know if this has ever been done. Do you think that it has? <laughs> who would be crazy enough to do who something like this? Who would be crazy like enough to do it? <laughs> It'd have to be an individual who's just running on like pure rage, <laughs> you know, just a, some kind of a lunatic who's hell bent on, <laughs> on breaking the system. But I think it, it like once it starts coming together and it, it already is, I, I think that especially once it's at the point where we have enough data per physician, that's where things are going to get very interesting. Yeah. 
because we already know which physician everyone should go to. But yep. what about the others? Like I, I, I can already see one who seems to be there's issues there that don't seem to be a problem with the others. So what's so why is that happening? And it should elucidate a few of these discrepancies that we see. Yeah. And if, if people had <laughs> the opportunity to have the discussion with someone like you in a safe manner and could have some of those things made clear to them, then they have a little bit of power there. They have a little bit of choice. They have a little bit of well, you, you, a direction. Yeah. You would have more information than the people who are actually running the show. Yeah. The machine doesn't know what the machine is doing No, to this exactly. degree. So yeah, that, that's, that's what I want. I want more information than the machine has about itself. Yeah. And I think that I, you, you kind of said it there. And I think there's um, there's something to that, that we often, those of us who have some cynicism in our perspective, think that it is it that the machine is you know moving cohesively to grab healthcare workers and and chuck them in and process them and spit them out but it's mm -hmm. not as organized as that in, no. and in fact it's it's a like a an eight-armed three-entry machine that and the left doesn't know what the right is is bloody uh, well doing right you know? yeah so that, and that's not even meant to be like consolation or solace to anybody it's just it is not as um synchronized or organized as we sometimes cynically think that it is, right? Yeah, I, that could be said of uh, many things all the way up the uh, <laughs> yeah, totally. all the all the way up the chain. But totally. this one, because we've looked at it so much, about uh, what was it? Maybe two weeks ago, I was sitting here and I was like, yeah, I don't know what I was working on. I was like, you know what, man? Why don't you like take a break and do something that's a little more creative or fun? And I started thinking about. Uh, like what would an artist's rendition of the machine look like and so i tried a whole bunch of different things and man i could not i could not make that happen that is a challenging challenging thing because it's almost amorphous to start with right because mm -hmm. there is no it's like it must have a it must have an intake it must have an outtake and things happen within that environment, but it's like, you know, I think like tangled wires, systems shorting out, uh, it's partly biological, but very cold and steel like too. you know, I, I don't know, maybe you could, maybe you could think about it and come up with a better. Oh, I'm, I am right now. I'm thinking about it, <laughs> but I, I think the way you're describing it is absolutely correct. And that if it was biological, if it was human in nature, uh, or like not not necessarily human, but just sort of uh, an animal. It would be heavily diseased and have some prostheses. It would, yeah. <laughs> it would, I tried, uh, like I, I tried even just taking the skeleton of a very old fossil and using that as a as a framework, but it was still there was still too much connection to humanity in that in that like. It is biological, but it's so removed from the human spirit that it's tough to put any organic matter in there. Yeah. Uh, it, very like a challenging project, man. I don't know if you've ever seen David Lynch's Eraserhead, um, which is a classic, classic old sort of um, sci-fi horror, bizarre black and white movie. But it, you know, it, it speaks to that, that it, it is almost something that, you know, can't even be named and is so 
unfamiliar to the human eye. <laughs> you know, like yeah, right. Uh, so we're we're painting the picture of something that's that's uh, maybe quite frightening to the to the person who's coming towards it, and and hopefully we can make you chuckle if you are coming towards the machine. Well, but, yeah, um, you you got to laugh, um, but that's. Uh, Hopefully what we are, what we're also doing is illuminating in previous episodes, many, many ways to, to navigate it. And what you are doing here uh, with your data is, is you are showing a way to navigate it. So that's right. Yeah. Well, <laughs> if it can be done, we'll find a way. 